Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. All right, I want to talk about power today. I want to talk about growing in capacity to do the things that Jesus did. Growing in your capacity for the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk about that and by way of Scripture first. So John chapter 14. If you have a Bible, let's talk about a couple of passages. We're going to look at Pentecost, and then I'm going to do something called the power equation. How do we practically grow in the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I feel an urgency to teach on the things of the Spirit. We're going to do that in the fall, but this is kind of a preface. I feel like Paul saying, I don't want you to be uninformed, church. I want you to be informed. It's, it's not programs that are going to get us out into the world. It's the presence of God, right? It's not because you know all the data. There's more information being created every second than any time in history. Information is not going to bring transformation to the world. We need the presence of God. And if you're not awake, you're, gonna, you're about to wake up. All right. Jesus speaking to his disciples. Very truly I tell you, which is a Greek way of saying this is really important, pay attention. You like that translation? It's just, it's what it says. Whoever believes in me, how many, just pause. Whoever, not the spiritually elite, not the super apostles, not the people that you look up to in the, in the faith. Whoever believes in me, how many of you believe in Jesus? Raise your hand real quick. Let's participate. We're gonna wake up. Look at how many people. We have a bunch of whoever's in here, okay? So whoever <laughs> believes in me, look at what Jesus says to you. This is not to Paul. This is not to Peter or James. This is to you, okay? We'll do the works I have been doing. What were the works he had been doing up until this point? Let me just list off a few, okay? You will do the things that Jesus did, he says, if you believe in him. Things like casting out demons, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, telling the paralytics to walk, cleansing the lepers. And the last thing he did, which was pretty awesome, was raising the dead. That's pretty cool. Would you agree? Whoever believes in me will do the things I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let's just pause real quick. I, I want this is totally unplanned. Let me just close your eyes. Lord, we just right now, your word says this that whatever we, we ask in your name will be given. Now I know theologically that you want to transform our askings. You want to transform the desires of our heart to desire the things that you would desire if you were us in our situation in the 21st century in Long Beach. As 20 somethings, 30 somethings, 40, 50, 60, 70 somethings in our post-Christian culture context with Instagram and Snapchat, that you want us to transform our desires to be the things that you desire. But Lord, right now, we ask in faith for that thing. What's the thing in your life? Just in your own heart, just speak to the Lord. I want to hunger for you. I want more of you. I want greater peace, Lord. I want joy. I want to have a faith to see people healed. And I want to operate in the things of the Spirit. I want my, my family to be healthy and protected. I don't want sickness to invade my family. I don't want fear of sickness to invade my family. 
Lord, we just bring those things in faith that you would hear us because it glorifies you, your Father. We bless you, Jesus. Okay, so that was just a freebie. You're welcome for that too. I'm just going for it today because he says, whatever I've been doing and even greater things. Now, this is debated theologically. Some people think greater quality of a miracle, but how do you get greater from raising the dead? Like, can you, like what would be, he's fed 5,000, like walked on water. Like, would you, like, your imagination, somebody who's dead and then is alive again, that's a pretty good miracle. Would you agree? Like, as far as your imagination, not much greater than that, qualitatively speaking. Right? Are you with me? Most, most scholars think it's quantity, greater quantity, because a couple billion people filled with the Spirit doing what Jesus did. That would be a crazy movement. See what he's talking about? But what we know theologically, biblically, we could say that at the very least, you won't be doing less than Jesus did. You with me? So at the very least, whatever Jesus did, that's good news. How many of you want that? Now, now, the question is how? Well, Luke will say over and over again, it's through the power of the Spirit that Jesus performs the miracles and does the things that he does. And then he'll say in Acts that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus, that the church does what Jesus did. Through the power and the presence of God in the church. So you see all throughout the New Testament, the miracles of God, exactly like Jesus did through the church. And so how do we do the things of Jesus? The same way Jesus did it, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow, am I not teaching great today? So, okay. You guys, you guys following me? Okay, okay. Dang, I haven't got to point one. So I don't know. Through the Holy Spirit. Ding, ding, ding. Just say Jesus is Spirit. You're going to get it right at some point. So... Acts 1 says this. Check this out. Let me go there for you. So Acts 1 verse 4, this is uh, what Jesus says to his uh, followers. He says, look, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized, immersed with the Holy Spirit. Then they, they gathered around him and they're like, hey, are, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Like essentially what the writers of the New Testament are saying is that the disciples still don't get Jesus' ministry. They're like, are you going to build a physical empire over Rome right now? And he's like, are you kidding me, guys? It's of another world. My kingdom is a different kind of reign from heaven. And then he essentially, look at what he says. He says, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, which we get hung up on. Like, oh, we got to figure out the time that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is saying to his church, don't worry about it. Be my witness. Stop paying attention to that stuff. And then he goes on. He says, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says to the church, You're going to be filled, baptized, immersed. The Greek context is the image of a piece of cloth being dyed. The very essence of the fabric is transformed when the presence of God, the Spirit, comes upon you. Because God wants to transform you for witness through the power of his spirit. So he transforms you to, uh, so he works through you, in you, to do something through you. He works in you to do something through you. He transforms you so you can bring transformation to the world. Are you with me? It's never for the sake of warm fuzzies. Most of our Christianity is making Jesus like this spiritual guru, soul doctor. I just want peace in my life to deal with the anxiety. 
I just want you to give me the job, vending machine God. I'm going to obey all the rules so you don't write me a ticket, cosmic traffic cop. I can keep going. I'm going to keep it clean. I'm going to pay rent on time, absentee landlord. You know what I'm saying? I'm never going to feel good enough and I'm going to do everything I can because you're a disapproving father. You see, our inaccurate, inaccurate views of God shape the way we live in this world. And Jesus is saying, actually, God wants to be with you, not over you, not under you, with you, inside of you, empowering you to do what you could never do on your own strength. Amen, hallelujah, can I get more? Yes, you can get more. So the Holy Spirit comes to give you power, the ability to do the things that Jesus did. Power is the ability or resource. What's the definition? I'm going to forget it. Power, by definition, is, drumroll please, the capacity to influence others or the course of events, the ability to, th- uh, to do things. How many of you want the ability to do things? Right? Uh, by virtue of strength, skill, resources, or authorization, the Spirit comes to give you power to be witness. And the word witness is where we get the word martyr. The purpose, yeah, here we go. Remember all you new people, what I was saying? Welcome to church. I'm going to teach you how to die well. Witness is about living. It's not about death. You can't die for the faith if you haven't lived for it first. He wants to transform your life to empower you to live in such a way that points to the resurrected Messiah, Jesus Christ, that your words, your action, your thoughts, your deeds, your emotions reflect the lordship of Jesus Christ so that when people on the outside see you, they say, there must be a living God. How the heck did that happen? So this is the goal. So one who, a witness is a person whose life, go back, whose life points to the reality of the resurrected Jesus. So this is the goal of the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to empower you to do this with your everyday ordinary life. He's not trying to make you some robot. And when I think of the word witness, I think of going on a street corner with a soapbox, talking to people, preaching at them, trying trying to convert them. And we can't convert anyone. It's the Spirit who does that. But our lives can be so, become so infectious that it's like rubbing off on people like the flu. And I know when you come to church with the flu. Oh, Lord, help me. So, the Holy Spirit fills us with power to transform our lives and to do what Jesus did. Now, all sorts of other things, character, spiritual formation, all that is important. We've been talking about that. I want to talk about doing the things that Jesus did. Like, I just, like, at some point, like, we came up with this idea of church and Christian institution that doesn't look like the New Testament. I don't know what happened. It's like, people come to faith and we just say, all right, just show up, you know, on time and give some money and be nicer on the freeway, and that's Christianity. Like, that's it. That's the best we have. Go to therapy if you have some problems. This should be like the transformation hub of the world. We're the antibodies to the infection. We don't need to transform the whole system. You just put a couple of antibodies in it and the whole system is transformed. That's the purpose of the spirit-filled follower of Jesus. How do you grow in the power of the Holy Spirit, though? So we can get it here. Many of us are there. All right, I get it, Darren. I want more of the spirit. 
what are some steps? What are ways? What are ways we can build our lives to see greater empowerment of the things of Jesus? So if you're not, if you're like, hey, I'm comfortable with the Christianity, which is basically me with my Bible, being a nice person, okay, this sermon's not for you. But if you recognize that there's a gap between the things you see in the scripture, the things Jesus is stirring in your heart and where you are, and you're longing for more of that, this sermon's for you. So here we go. Find, find your place in the sermon. Here we go. How do we grow? I want to give you something that I, I'm, I'm taking from Jordan Sang. who wrote a book called Miracle Work. And it's a great book. It's very helpful. Um, published by IVP. Um, and so here it is. It's, he says this, and I modified it to my own version. He says, um, intimacy plus gifts plus faith plus holiness equals greater power experienced in your life. Okay, so just look at these four categories. Intimacy with God, gifts of the Holy Spirit, faith plus holiness or consecration will equal greater power. I want to talk about this because nobody talked about how do you grow in power in my life. I had to learn this. Uh, I, wasn't, I didn't grow up in a, a spirit-filled community I grew up in a, a cessationist type of community where they didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. So all of this I learned while being the lead pastor of this church, recognizing that there's a difference between the New Testament church and everything I've experienced. I want the New Testament church. And um, so here we go. Are you guys cool with this? I'm just going to break down these categories, and then you guys can go get lunch or brunch after we pray. So there we go. Um, <clears throat> point, so Intimacy. The first is intimacy. So our ongoing loving relationship with God is priority to experience growing power in the Holy Spirit. So if you're longing for more of the the power of the Spirit in your life, you need to practice the disciplines of the Spirit, practice a relationship with God built over a lifetime where you learn to know His voice, to, to obey His voice. I think you could put obedience in this text, in this part. And this is, for me, what intimacy looks like. It, getting to the point where you're in this loving, ongoing relationship where there's a conversation going on. It's not a lot of just talking, God, this, that, that. It's a lot of listening. And then when you develop that intimacy, you want to engage in that relationship that's unique to you so you begin to obey the things that you hear. And that will produce more power in your life. Now, we, when you start with intimacy, you'll recognize that that's, that's the most important thing. Because the power becomes a byproduct of intimacy. So all these become a byproduct. So I want you to grow in intimacy. I want you to develop the kind of responsive relationship with Jesus that's willing to listen and walk in everyday ordinary moments as a mom watching two little ones and having to go to parks and do nap times and feeding schedules, as, as a, a, an employer, as the boss, as the CEO, as a student, as unemployed, as Wherever you find yourself, married, single, kids, no kids, it doesn't matter. Um, learning to engage in a, a unique relationship with God and then specifically beginning to step into the things of the, of the Spirit like Jesus in that relationship. So John Wimber said it this way, and I loved how he, 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 this is about the mission. So check this out. He says, when I speak of listening to God's voice, I mean developing a practice of communion, relationship with the Father in which we are constantly asking, Lord, what do you want to do now in this moment, at this coffee shop, at this, in this classroom, on this walk? How, um, how do you want to use me? How should I pray? Whom do you want me to evangelize? Is there someone that you want to heal? Someti- sometimes he gives me signif- specific insights about people for whom I am praying. These come as impressions. 
specific words, pictures in my mind, mind's eye, physical sensations in my body that correspond to problems in their bodies. These impressions help me to know um, who and what to pray for and how to pray. What he's getting at in this particular quote is a way of life where you're in tune with the Holy Spirit and the voice of God and the presence that's around you. And he's, you learn to obey the things that Jesus does. And as you learn to obey, you begin to develop greater intimacy and obedience and you experience greater power. So again, I'm pulling this out of how do you have a relationship and intimacy with God with having intimacy for the sake of mission and witness. Do you see the difference here? Where you're learning to listen on behalf of the rest of community. Like, this is what I was telling our staff and our elders. I'm like, you guys, you are an unlimited resource into this world. Every coffee shop, restaurant, workplace you walk into, you have the resources of heaven available to that community. You literally can walk in and on behalf of that barista, speak the word for that moment, moment, the manna, the prophetic, the word of knowledge, the prophecy, the encouragement, the affirmation that that person needs in that moment for God's purpose. That's power. Most of our time is this. Or intimacy, like, Lord, I just want you to answer my prayers. Sorry, that was a little whiny. (laughs) But that was pretty good. I think that was helpful. Um, Intimacy for the sake of witness. Think about it. You guys are in a church service right now that believes that God can speak to you. That's trying to teach you to hear his voice so that you don't just have a bunch of words of knowledge for yourself, but you can minister to your brothers and sisters, your friends, your coworkers, your mean neighbors who yell at you early in the morning because your kids are outside playing. And so you're just praying, God, for that house to come to know Jesus because Satan isn't. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Is that too specific? Yeah, they're not going to podcast. Uh, <laughs> which neighbor do you No, I'm just kidding. Um, But this is the goal, intimacy, and you can grow in intimacy. Okay, second is gifts. Let's just go through these. Gifts, we can grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can grow by asking for them, longing for for them. You you don't need a gift to do the things of Jesus, just so you know. You don't need a, 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 a gift of the Spirit to do the things of Jesus where you are. And what do I mean by that? So Paul, let me list off these things. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it's a familiar passage to some of us, confusing, um, but really beautifully articulate. So this isn't like a list of all the gifts. This is just, you know, Paul like saying something specific to the church about their, di- their um, issues of, of, of unity. So he's, he's, he's calling unity to the church. And he says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working or activity, but in all of them and in every one, It is the same God at work. Focus is unity. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The purpose of the spiritual gifts in a community like this is for the common good. Not for you to be the healing person or the prophet or for you to have the the thing every single time. It's about the, and if it's about you, you're missing the point of the gifts. It's for the common good. You with me? To one there is given through the Spirit a, a word or a message of wisdom, another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of the spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determined. 
So what you have is this big list of different gifts, and the point is unity. The point is for the common good. Now, you don't need these gifts to do the things of Jesus, right? So if somebody comes up to you and says, I'm, I have a broken foot, will you pray for healing? You don't need to be the person that has the gift of healing for somebody. You could just pray for healing. You don't need to be the guy that has words of knowledge all the time to operate in words of knowledge. The gifts help, right? So whenever I'm, I, I, there's a gift of intercession, and whenever I'm going somewhere or need something, I'll text or email the intercessors because it's like whenever they're praying, I feel it. You know what I'm talking about? Or like we have those people who pray and they have words of knowledge like every time they come, you come forward and you're, you're in front of them, they have a word of knowledge for you. And it's like they have the gift of words of knowledge. Now you can still operate in words of knowledge without the gift. So my point is the Holy Spirit is like a golf bag, okay? <laughs> What's the best club in the bag? Well, it depends on where you are and what, where you need to hit it. So we, I was taught you get like one or two gifts. That's not true. You have access to all of the gifts. Okay, it depends, and, and he, let, me, let me just distinguish this for you. Because the gifts are not for you. They're for the person you're giving them to. Right? So I, people are like, I want to grow in the gifts. I want to grow. Well, okay, are you praying for people? <laughs> Lord, just give me faith. I want to see you move. We'll talk about that in a second. But you're not risking? You're not stepping out? You, you think you're going to get words of knowledge when you're alone in your room and never engaging in relationship and recognizing that the words of knowledge are not for you to feel good about hearing God. It's for the person to recognize that God is real and God loves me and the revelation is fresh and it moves me into a greater understanding of who the, who the Father in heaven is. That's what words of knowledge do, right? They're like, oh my gosh, he knows the deep secrets of my heart. He's here. This is what I needed to hear in this moment. I can't believe it. Like I was, I, I met this pastor last Friday. I was dropping off my kid at a preschool and I just got back from a pastor's retreat and I had all these prophetic words, words of knowledge, prophetic words with like detailed scriptures and I, I recorded these prayers. They're amazing all week long. I've come back on fire and I go to do my, a drop off and this pastor, I meet him, I give him my email. It doesn't say anything, doesn't know anything about me. He emails me all the verses with the same prophecy from, from these other pastors in an email, after a, a brief interaction with him. He's operating in a level of words of knowledge. I was like, okay, I get it, God. You're trying to get my attention. Now, I'm not going to make these happen. I'm going to just say thank you and keep going. All right? So prophecy, words of knowledge, treat them like manna, okay? We don't store them up to make them happen. We receive it for today. We say thank you, and we just keep going. A lot of times we try to collect them, go, and it becomes, we become filled with anxiety because it hasn't become reality. Just hold on to it. Just wait. And don't broadcast, I'm going to be the best, best preacher in the world. Nations are going to bow down, blah, 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 like Joseph. <laughs> I'm going to speak to the nations. Yeah, hold on there, 22-year-old kid. Like, let's just work on you not lusting right now, okay? And then we'll, we'll get to preaching to the nations. All right. So if you want more of the gifts, pray for it. Pray for it. So when we do ministry time, guys, if you want more, if you're hungry, you just want more, let, let's lay hands because laying hands will release greater gifts. If you see someone operating in their gifting, tell you have a word, you're good at word of knowledge, you're good at, you're a great teacher, I want to be a teacher. Pray, have that person pray for you. 
Like be bold. This is what I do. I meet these people. I'm like, we just pray that God will give me the favor that you have, the teaching gift that you have, the, the writing gift that you have. I, I'm serious. That's what I started doing. I'm just so selfish. I'm like, I just want, I'm like Elisha with Elijah. I want a double portion of him. I'm not kidding. You with me? Let's grow in faith. And there's no getting around this one that they, there can be, uh, there's no doubt between the connection of, uh, between what we believe God can do and will do and what God actually does. So let me just preface this. God will do things without you believing he can do those things because he's God. He's in charge. Okay? So you might not have faith. I see this all the time. I don't have faith for the healing that's going to happen. And I don't know what's going to happen. And then I pray the, the, the least amount of faith-filled prayer that you can imagine and God heals. Other times I have so much faith calling down, you know, heaven on earth and there's nothing. Because God, God is in charge and he does his thing. But there is a connection between how we live and interact with the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you believe God is abundant and generous with how he uh, operates in this world, that he wants to love his kids and you, he wants to bless his children, that will affect how you pray, how you minister the gifts to others, how you minister like Jesus to others. If you believe life is scarce and God's not generous, then that's going to impact how you pray. If, if you're a cessationist and you don't believe the gifts are for today, you're not going to pray for healing today. That's just, so your, your theology will shape your experience and your experience will also shape your theology. So our goal is to have a biblical theology that, that shapes our experience, an experience that continues to, shape, that, to reflect the theology that we have. Okay, so faith is standing in the reality of what is true. It's demonstrative. You can't have faith and just not do anything. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And whatever, I've said this before, what was faith yesterday might not be faith for today. So in order for us to grow in power, we have to grow in faith. And so if you at one point like me, let's, I'll just do my, 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 my story. And it's all different for everyone. So everyone has their own faith journey. But it took a lot of faith at one point to preach because I was really bad. My mom said amen in the first service. She was like, I was there in the beginning. Amen. There is a God. Um, but, but what took a lot of, it was so much anxiety. My wife's shaking her head, yes. Like, so much anxiety, so much fear, so much, uh, I had to take, it took so much courage and faith to stand on a stage and preach because I didn't think I had the preaching gift. I didn't know if I should or one. I was so insecure. But that's not faith anymore to stand in front of a community and preach. This, is, this doesn't take, I could do a lot of my own talent. That's the same for all of us. Like, so at one point, you coming forward as, the, as a prayer team member, sharing words of knowledge, that might have taken faith at some point, but now it might not be faith for you. Having a word of knowledge then makes it really easy to minister on God's behalf because you have a secret that they, that's going to unlock their heart. You do. That's what happens. Like, so if, you, if you've been doing it long enough and you're like, oh, uh, does this resonate? And they start crying and then you start praying. That's easy. It is. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. I want, I want you to be informed. When, what I'm saying is when you prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people and you, you begin to trust the Spirit of God speaking through you, you, you share random images of like cars breaking down or some flamingo in the sky and it makes no sense. Or you're saying the last phrase of um, that song, I'm free as a bird in a crowd and someone's like, that was me. Or last service, I was in the service and God said, 
There's Jules, who's a 20-something-year-old girl named Jules, and I have a word for her. I did that, and she, she came forward, and I had a word, and it was, I was like, at some point, that's no longer faith. What might be faith is walking up to a st- complete stranger, opening your mouth the promises of God before you even know he's gonna speak through you. Like saying, hey, I have something for you, and going for it. That might take faith. Does that make sense? Yeah. We're, talking about, we're talking about different gifts here. Some of you have been given the gift of teaching and you need to grow in your gifts of teaching. Like God's gonna open um, doors for you to preach more or speak more publicly and I I think that's a gift he's releasing. I know words of knowledge and prophecy. Healing has been a little bit. I just wanna continue to see healing just overwhelm us where this is where people come to get healed in LA County, right? What's that? Yeah, is that right? You want, yeah, it's part of LA County, Tyra. It's all good. I'm just, I'm just expanding. See, it's Jerusalem, Long Beach, Judea, Samaria, LA, Orange County, to the ends of the earth. All right, let's just, let's just start somewhere. All right. This is going to be a good podcast. Check this out. So check out what Jordan's saying. This is really good. There are some distractions, but I'll, I appreciate Tyra way more than the last one. So Jordan saying said this, God's main goal is to encourage us to trust his love. So it makes perfect sense that he would arrange things so that power flows most easily through those who fully trust his compassionate generosity in providing it. So I'd put it this way. Miracle working faith believes that God is genuinely eager for the goodness of miracles. So when you show up to, uh, to work tomorrow morning, you come with a perspective of faith that God desires to love on his children. And he wants to use you as a funnel of his power, of his generosity, of his kindness, of his affirmation, of his goodness. He wants you to uh, release strongholds, to reaffirm identity. He wants you to lift people up who are burdened by society and culture. He wants you to alleviate the pain that, is, that people are carrying. He wants you to bring an ease and comfort to the anger that is so obvious in our culture right now in society. Now, I just literally, <clears throat> like driving here, I watched a guy kick over a trash can in rage. Yesterday, we were driving, and a guy was running and going really slow. He wasn't running very fast at all. And this car just kind of pulls in, and he just says a a cuss word at this woman. I'm like, I can't believe. Like, she just pulls in. But this is where we live. We're so entitled, and we're so angry. We'll erupt at anyone. Imagine if you were a person of non-anxious presence that didn't allow the conditions or circumstances to uh, impact your presence in the world and instead brought a, a level of peace and power everywhere you go because you got the golf bag. You, good? Good, are you all right? Are you ready for the most important one? For holiness. This is the one, guys. People are like, all right, I'm out. Let's get the worship up. I'm out. There, um, we're in a crisis in this moment where uh, we no longer have biblical authority in our culture and society. We have elevated personal experience to the level of authority of the Holy Scriptures. And um, I believe that personal experience has a place for authority in your life and in discerning. But the Scriptures is, are the rule of faith. They have to be what we come back to. And the, I believe um, one of the things that you see so clearly throughout the Old and New Testament is this call for God's people to reflect His holiness to the world. That holiness is essential. And I think our generation has made uh, holiness uh, subjective. 
that holiness, the best definition is to be set apart for God's special purposes. There's two dimensions to this. To be set apart from and to be set apart for. To be set apart from is from the things of the world like greed and violence and lying and immorality and gossip and pride. To be set apart for is to say yes for the things of Jesus, to do the things of Jesus. That when we live with all of these distractions, that it disables our power in witness. So holiness is usefulness in the kingdom of God. And what we've done is we've made everything of morality subjective to what we like or dislike. Rather than clothing ourselves with Christ, we clothe ourselves with this part of Jesus and that part of Jesus will accessorize with this, but take it off when it's Saturday night club time or whatever it is. And holiness is the very thing that allows us to stand in our society right now when there, it's just, it's all over the place with this stuff. And I'm not judging the world, I'm judging the church. This is, a, this is indictment for the church. We have the same statistics for divorce for lust, pornography addiction, for anger, alcohol addiction, all across the board. And now we live in a time where we just justify everything. Alcohol is is justified, and it doesn't look anything like moderation, in my opinion. the, The word is buzzed. The church is saying, as long as you're not buzzed. What? Paul says, don't allow anything to influence you other than the Holy Spirit. Don't be under the influence of marijuana, even though it's legalized, because it influences you. We can talk about that later. I'm happy to. But it doesn't have to be marijuana or, 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 uh, uh, or alcohol or any other drug. Guys, brothers and sisters, our holiness is much deeper than that. Some of you are under the power of social media. That your disposition, your circumstances in life have to do with where you've been, how it was received by the public. Where you compare yourselves, money, greed, all of it. Brother, we, we have to pursue a lifestyle of holiness and purity for this next generation. I think God's calling the Nazarites in the church again, to, which you can look that up. But a, a group of people that will be pure as a remnant for the sake of the world. Because when revival comes, it's always seen as judgment on the church. God won't be, allow people to be disillusioned by institutions that no longer reflect his gospel. So he brings revival to wake up the church and wake up the culture to who Jesus really is. But we need to wake up first. For me, it's a growing, it's a, it's moving target, right? You just come into faith and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to rearrange my whole life around this thing because I can't live with this girl anymore that I've been living with. We're not married. I can't have sex outside of marriage. I can't be addicted to these things. And so it starts with the obvious things, but then it keeps moving. You think you get to a place where you're not just drenched with the reality of your own sin. So for me recently, the Lord's saying, hey, I want you to grow. Like he was saying, Darren, your, your imagination is a gift. And I want you to steward your imagination. And see, I think this is like, so it could start off small like money and all these other things in our lives that can be idols. But then we live in a world where we're, we're entertaining ourselves to death. We're overindulging. So for me, it's like so easy to get caught up in a Netflix series. So easy to get caught up in an Amazon Prime series. or what? I love the movies. I, and there's nothing wrong with that. But God's saying, no, your next journey is towards imagination holiness. I want you to use your imagination to be stewarded for the kingdom because you are a visionary, but you got to guard what goes into your mind. 
because it affects you. And I don't know if you're like me. And brothers, the more rules that you have, the weaker brother that you are or sister. So for me, I'm just showing you, like, I, I, I want to get to the place where power flows, where the, the distractions aren't there. This is just my hunger for my life, and I want it for you. I want you to hear God's voice, to obey. I want you to operate with power. I want you to have freedom from addiction, breakthrough in your life. I want your relationships to be marked by peace and reconciliation, not unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness. I want you to flourish as humans, and I want this. I want this for my own life, too. This is what power is about. Where you get off your own life, and you live to bless others. Does anyone else want this? That's what I thought. So I, I want you to be set apart for God's purposes. Intimacy plus gifts plus faith plus holiness equals greater power experience in your life. You can grow in your capacity to do the things that Jesus did. And you can keep growing along the way because the, the, it's just going to keep moving forward. John Stott said we, what we need is not more learning. Not more eloquence, not more persuasion, not more organization, no more programs. What we need is the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 1 says this, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in L.A. County and Orange County. That includes Long Beach. The Lord's message rang out from from, from you, not only in Long Beach, in Orange County and L.A. County. Your faith has become known everywhere. This is what I want for our church. That as we find ourselves in the second most diverse city in the United States, half a million people, the, literally the nations are here. What a gift that you would be released in the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that Jesus did as a testimony to the rest of the world that Jesus reigns in Long Beach. That we would see the renewal of our city because you took your faith seriously. You worked on your apprenticeship to Jesus and you became a person who allowed power to flow for the sake of the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.